You're listening to And what's poppin' everybody? You're listening to the Good Pop Culture Club, episode 169. <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> My name is Marvin Yen, and joining me, as always, to talk about all the good pop that gets us through our days. Welcome to the once and future professional Asian American, Just Do. Hey, 69420. Very nice. <laughs> <laughs> how, how are you? We're getting closer and closer to your. Uh, to your wedding, um, same, same. Any, How's the diet and, going? Uh, every every time someone asks me that, and I say I'm fine, but then the end of it goes, uh, <laughs> and so I'm just like, oh, um, you know, things are chugging along. It's not the, it's, you know, they they tell you this. It's not the, it's it's not the logistical stuff that gets you, which though I'm sure that's also very stressful for some people. Like again, like. You know, we generally do something like this for a living, and I have a lot of time right now. Uh, the emotional stuff of weddings make everyone crazy, y'all, including yourself. And I thought I was going to be so much better than every other girl. Um, no, I have been humbled real quick. So it is stressful but manageable, manageable for now because I had my series of freakouts earlier. And I think now that that is like happened, the hump has happened. I can now just move forward, and like things are coming along. Um, you know, my dress looks fantastic. I had my second fitting. I'm, I am mad disordered eating and looking real good. So you know that's chugging along. Uh, don't do that. You know, on the record, don't do that. But let's be real. I'm paying a lot of pictures for these photos, and I want to like them. So, uh, yeah, you know, journey of self-acceptance it takes longer than 27 days. I only got 27 days, so I'm just going to, like, eat some salad first. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <clears throat> the good part for me and Han is we just got to attend. And you were Please listing out your yes. menu from the venue. And it really sounds like you're trying to feed us all the food you're not eating these, these few weeks. Well, I hope to partake during the actual wedding, though, you know, like... I'm sure there's like I'm not gonna be able to eat much because you know just dress and mm-hmm. and 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 corsetry and yes. and clothing restrictive clothing and and you're busy during Marvin you know this you got oh, married yeah apparently this year our food was really good I didn't eat it but you it. never get to eat it right um mm-hmm. and even yeah. with the best intentions or like you eat it when it's like cold cold or something and I'm just like I, I made it very clear to our wedding planner that. You know, I wanted to eat and I wanted to be a part of this celebration, not just like have a cocktail hour and not attend. Like I'm paying good money for this food. I'm paying good money for an Italian folk band. I will be partaking in the Sunset Terrace cocktail hour. I do not care if um so there's you know, you just have to prioritize. I think it helps that we are technically married already and we had like a little thing <laughs> so i have really good pictures from that and i'm just mm-hmm. like you know what it's fine everything is this is extra. the fun it's for yeah. fun it's to bring all the people we love together mm-hmm. in italy it's gonna be amazing um i want to eat i want everyone to eat so much as i was telling you that i want you to have to go vomit off the side of the olive garden <laughs> not the olive garden but literally we're gonna be in a olive garden so you know just- 
very As Hunger Romans Games. intended. Yes, like very Italian. <laughs> just, you know, go go over there, you know, bleh, vomit a little bit, come back and eat some more. Yeah. All right. Also joining us, the most professional culture editors, Han Win. Hey, hey. Hey, Han. <laughs> How are you doing now that we're, I guess, going to what, month four of the writer strike, month, what, two of the actor strike? Yeah, it's it's getting kind of rough. Um uh, we are getting some new TV shows just because of these have been banked. So, but it is getting harder and harder like, you know, interviews are definitely a thing. Then there are the controversies like, you know, Drew Barrymore deciding to go back into production for her talk show, which she says technically she's allowed to do and she's going to follow the writers guide uh, writers Guild guidelines by not having writers, but at the same time, yeah, there's a lot of sort of like discussion about, well, some people consider it a struck show, so she shouldn't be doing that. Um, she's obviously, you know, yeah, there's just it's a also lot a of bad discussion. look when the other like talk show hosts are doing their best not to do what she's doing. And yeah. the fact that like she's been like in the business her entire she, life, right? She even stepped down as host of some sort of MTV show um, hosting gig yeah. um, earlier in the strike to for solidarity's sake. I mean, here's the thing. When she said she decided to do, go back into production, I imagine her reasoning was people on her staff needed jobs, but she never said that. And I'm not saying that will make it better, but in some ways, at least she has to offset something about like showing compassion because... Um, and that it's a complicated situation or whatever it is. But basically, she didn't say any of that. She was just like, I made the de- this decision. And so it's it's actually causing a lot of, you know, sort of tensions because now the WGA is picketing outside of her studio. Um, anyone going in, we, we heard of a story of uh, an audience member who didn't realize that there was a strike going in. And, you know, he got a pin from the, the picketers outside, wore it inside and then got thrown out for wearing this pin. <laughs> So yeah, there's 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 a lot of discussion going on. I I have a feeling she's going to have to say something soon. So um, yeah, it's I don't know. Also, Not everyone's a good get, luck. Also, everyone's getting COVID. Um, yes. and, getting, and getting sick, and that includes some of our staff. So I'm just <laughs> like, I don't know what to do. All right. Well, we are here today to talk about One Piece, the new Netflix live action adaptation of the well beloved anime and manga. Um, did they pull it off? Um, we'll let you know. But before we get to that, let's find out what pop culture is being us through this week. Uh, Jess, what is popping? So I ventured out to a theater, a pretty packed theater, I must say, on a Friday night to catch the latest installment of Nia Vardalos's My Big Fat Greek Wedding. So there's a third movie, guys. I don't know if you knew that. It takes they're they're off to Greece this time for a family reunion. Um, that is a very simplistic synopsis for a mu- movie. I am still trying to grasp my head around or wrap my head around, um, which should not be the case for a big fat Greek movie theater theater or big fat greek wedding installment but you know the gang's all back we got john corbett on his you know nice guy streak everyone looks like they had a lot of fun shooting in greece was this a good movie no no it was not (laughs) did i have a good time 
I don't know. Um, Am I still thinking about it? Yes. Because again, that synopsis I gave you was the most simplistic. There were like 7.5 different storylines. It is a 90 minute movie. Which usually, you know, for me is a compliment. It is a, Mm. it is a, it is a, (laughs) it is a, you know, a positive thing. Um, I turned to my husband no less than six times during this movie and go, (laughs) what is happening? Like they're introducing side story plots like, like 50 minutes in, there is a wedding. Um, you know, every, every one of these movies needs a wedding. Uh, but yeah, there, it was a lot. Um, I, I appreciate Nia Vardalos for, you know, continuing the story and like trying to keep it relevant so we have like it's pretty good you have like non-binary characters you know you talk about the refugee migrant situation in <laughs> greece going on right now yes in this 90 minute movie that's supposed to be a rom-com oh, no. um and it's <laughs> yeah i i cannot even describe it um but it was interesting and it was packed like that's the thing this is a pretty packed theater there's a lot of folks the sad thing is i rewatched the first one raymond had never seen any of them so we rewatched mm-hmm. the first one because you know it's mm-hmm. been on our list anyways and i love the first one it's very it cute. is such a well done like it's well like, balanced very well balanced like very sm- like small in mm-hmm. scope but like perfect character storytelling and Especially in the rom com genre that gives a lot of agency to Tula, her character. Um, just very wholesome, has aged really well. And this new version is basically just like a series of weird vignettes set in Greece. None of the characters really feel like the characters. Um, and just shenanigans happen. So, I mean, if you have movie pass and you know, you got 90 minutes to kill. Give it a go. We did eat Greek food before this date. It was pretty fun. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, unfortunately, this was the only thing I had time this week to catch outside of One Piece because I didn't realize those, those episodes were like one hour long each. Yeah. And so that's all I got. I'm sorry. I wish I liked this movie better. <laughs> I personally have never. I'm like I'm like Raymond before he you made him go through this experience. I've never seen a big fat Greek wedding one or two. So mm. I didn't realize that um, the dad from To All the Boys was in it. That's yes. where I know yes. him from. John um, Corbett. All so I, I know was looks... Joey Fatone is in it. That's the only thing. Joey I've Fatone is in heard it. Not from, Greek. Like, osmosis. Yes. Um, and, you know, it's John Corbett. It looks better now than he did, I think in the first movie because I did not like the long hair he had in the first movie. I think everyone looks better now, like just you know, work and cosmetic procedures really helping everyone out. Um, it's just like I just don't know. Like, obviously, this was kind of like an IP. Like you know, people know these characters; they love these movies. The second one was pretty fun too. Um, the second one revolves around her parents realizing they never were officially married. Uh, and so they have to have a rewriting. Uh, yeah, just, just, and then this one, um, both actors who played the dads, the grandpas have since passed. So this was also someone of an homage to, you know, that character, that actor and about going back to the homeland. 
Um, and it, yeah, I just really wish it was better. <laughs> I feel for you. It's always sucks. Yeah. It's like the, um, and we'll talk about this later, but like the expecting something at least okay and not even like decent that, right? like watchable yeah i'm just like you know it's i'm very happy though that all these people got to go film in greece that's never a bad time even <laughs> no matter what movie you're making and happy that you know everyone got their check and it just i know nia vardalos is talented so you're kind i'm just kind of sad that mm-hmm. like and it is interesting to revisit like the same character over time, right? Um, the issues now, you know, now they're talking about like aging parents and, you know, losing a parent and while trying to parent your own child. And like, I find all those pretty interesting considering we met this heroine when she like just like discovered herself, but it was lacking. Yeah. Moving on. Han, what's popping with you? Watch anything good? <laughs> Yes, but it's also weird. Um, so I came across this movie on Netflix. It is a Taiwanese movie called Marry My Dead Body. Okay. Uh, but it's that that's kind of a misnomer. It's actually ghost marriage, right? So um so basically it's a Taiwanese film where this cop um who is a little bit homophobic, um and <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yes, yes, please continue. He's not going out there and just beating up random gay guys, right? It's just, he just, of course, holds these feelings. Um, so he picks up this, uh, while he's looking for evidence in a case, he picks up this red envelope. It ends up being the red envelope of someone who has died, and it, whoever picks it up uh, is the chosen one of that dead person to get married. Um, it, ghost marriage, apparently, I had to look it up, but you might know this is a thing in China. Um, usually it's with women though, you know, and there are various reasons to have ghost marriages. Um, usually it has to do with, um, line of succession and being able to adopt. But, um, this one was interesting because it is a guy who has died. And, uh, and so the cop is like, no way am I marrying this dead guy? Cause he was like, why would you want me to marry? And they're like, well, we have, uh, uh, marriage equality for the living, why not for the dead? Um, which is true. Taiwan is the only Asian country that has marriage equality so far. Um, so I was like, okay, interesting. Um, so part of it, of course, is he's resistant. And supposedly, if you do, don't do the marriage, you have bad luck. So seeing him get the string of bad luck is actually kind of funny. Um, eventually, of course, he gives in. And it turns out that the guy he married, he's this guy named Mao Mao, um, and he was uh, killed in a um, by hit and run, so he ends up actually investigating the hit and run, and, and things happen. So here's the weird thing: it's actually a very, very funny movie, incredibly funny. Like there, you get you have to get over the really bad homophobia stuff because it's kind of like <laughs> from the '80s. You know, it's kind of like he's just like, "But you're gay," or gay people but then it's just that language just kind of goes away um but uh it's actually super funny lots of really good slapstick stuff and then by the end it's really emotional and and you're sobbing because you know you are also dealing with the dead guy's family and like how they have to come to terms and stuff like that so you know in a it's a it's over maybe about two hours but it also has you know, the mystery about his death, but then there's also some of this crime boss. Um, there's some corruption in the police force. 
um, all good fun things. So I thought it was uh, like, I was just sitting there like, why am I watching this? And after a while, I was like, I'm really into this and ended up really liking it at the end. So if you want to have something kind of one and done, um, it's on Netflix and I really enjoyed it. Wow. This movie sounds like it has everything. <laughs> yes. Love, murder, ghosts, wedding. <laughs> yes, yeah. Yes. Um, my only experience with ghost weddings, like I've known of the, I know the practice, but that's because I read a book called The Ghost Bride by Yang Si Chu way back in the day for Books and Boba. Um, that, that book got adapted, adapted into for a Netflix, Netflix series, yes. um, but totally changed the story. Yeah, um, I noticed that. I did enjoy the book a lot. The um, the TV adaptation, um, mm. though I heard was all right, um, made it more of a sea drama than like a, a ghost story, which. Yeah. Yeah. So I also caught the Netflix adaptation of that. And I was like, what is this? And I was like, <laughs> I don't, I'm not I'm not feeling it. And so that's why I didn't connect the two things when I was watching this. So I had when I looked up, you know, ghost marriage, I was like, oh. They're referring back to that thing that I watched that I didn't like. Yeah, um, but yeah. So good you to know the, the book, book is better. Though. I think you would like the book. The book okay. is more of like a. It's more like a Spirited Away, where it's like you're you're exploring the Chinese underworld as opposed to like. Oh, a, that's fun. I don't know, like a like a love triangle thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that sounds fun. Um, yeah, this is good. I mean, I like it just because you know it. It totally believes in ghosts. Um, yeah and uh reincarnation and all that good stuff so it's it, he he does some ghostly things that are fun um he also has a dog uh <laughs> there, there's just like a lot but it's it's not like big fat Greek wedding it's it actually works <laughs> <laughs> you mean there's not a subplot where someone befriends a monk no there is a priest who does the wedding but you know yeah not a monk that that makes sense yes yes <laughs> Anyway, uh, yeah, so I, I, I recommend it for a good one-and-done Taiwanese film. So, Marvin, uh, what's popping with you? Um, the football season started this weekend. And let me tell you, it's been, I want to say, almost a decade since I followed football with any like <laughs> regularity. Um, so I tuned in to see you know, my team, the Chargers, which are now moved with me to Los Angeles, which is mm. nice, I guess, even though um, football ownership and the football NFL in general mm. as like a an entity has a lot of very problematic things. And it's kind of like capitalism. It's most raw and like horrifying form. What um, do you mean? The NFL's a nonprofit, Marvin. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but yeah, I tuned in and um, watched the Chargers once again, pull defeat from the jaws of victory as we do. And I was like, huh, at the very least, this means that the tickets for a live game will be affordable this year, which is the silver lining. Because I still have not mm. gone to a SoFi Stadium anything. And, you know, I might go watch a game this year. Are you prepared to fight SoFi perking do you love them <laughs> enough to fight because getting there is one thing that's not too big a problem the the parking situation is oh so it's really the are there any public transit options or are you we not there yet can attempt to take the line metro to the bus i believe they do run bus oh. or free shuttle service but you know yeah but it's not like exhibition park where you can just like have a direct line on no, the rail. Mm, that's no. a problem. Yeah. 
but which is like it's so close it's like under a mile maybe like a mile away <laughs> and so it's like the whole thing where it's like oh you're so close but like just just annoyingly far enough yeah so i guess i don't know what i like about my team is that at the very least it's a solid team so you always almost always get good games we just always end up on the wrong side of it um as opposed to like other teams that are just sucky all the time like say the chicago bears um because of their management and the fact that they can field a shitty team and still sell out all their seats because of city loyalty there's no reason for them to pay for good players i like football is not my sport of choice to enjoy um so i can't answer that specifically to football but i did somewhat follow the drama with like Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Um, which, you know, I didn't I didn't make this up. I saw this on Twitter by someone, but they were like, oh, thank God for Aaron Rodgers because I'll know no matter how stupid I was, I'll never have been the stupidest person to attend UC Berkeley. <laughs> and I felt that. Um I just you know, hearing you talking about the Chargers game, though, I just realized that multiple football games happen at the same time. Yeah. It's not just like one game at a time. No, they play like <laughs> there's 32 teams and only like two time slots oh my. plus one evening game and one Monday night game. So like you have like 30 teams I need to play on Sunday. That's just so much work for I just feel like football. does Nothing happens in football. There's so much pausing. Well, yeah, that's why it's it's a it's a sport made for TV, which is why you yeah. get the commercials, which I guess is where you come in in the cultural appreciation of it. Because there was one commercial that I thought was kind of funny. It was a Frito Lay commercial about aging stars coming out of retirement to play again, but they're old, so they get beat up. But the the <laughs> but the commercial ends with Tom Brady making a joke on retirement. Who does that? Which is hilarious because he famously did that and got divorced over it. Right. Oh yeah, and now he'll never win because Giselle was the witch behind his true success. <laughs> um, you know, I believe that. So, I think he's doing okay. I mean, maybe it's just because I've been watching a lot of travel um, YouTube's to prepare for my trip, but I'm getting served a lot of Hertz commercials, and his face is all over those. <laughs> Do you play fantasy league, fantasy I, football, Marvin? I don't. I used okay. to. And that was really the reason why I followed the games was because of fantasy. But I don't have a lot of people around me that play fantasy anymore. So there's really no reason to. And it's I, great because now my Sundays are so free. I didn't know that you were supposed to like consistently. I played one season and I didn't know you're supposed to consistently like change your starting people. Yeah. Like I, I didn't <laughs> know. I thought you just picked the people and like hope for the best and some stats happened and some math happened. So I did not do Mama. good that season. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so no one, like no, that. no one told you about how all the teams take a week off, and if you play your te- players during that week, they get zero points. No, Marvin, they did not tell me that, so oh. I did not do good. No. Yeah, fantasy sports require you to pay attention, which is why I don't do any sports that's more than like one game a week. Um, that that just requires so much. Like fantasy football already requires so much time and energy mm-hmm. spent to like pay attention. Um. Anyways, so that's what's popping. Sports. I don't know if it's good or not. But both you and Jess are like, eh, I, I saw a thing. 
I think I would feel you better. You know, we tried we... something different and yeah. it didn't work out. Sometimes that happens. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. without this, without this occasional failure, there's also no joy in discovery, right? <laughs> I'll probably watch next week's game too. And I'm going to try to go to a game this year because I haven't been to one since I came to Los Angeles. That's why we live in a least, big city. At the very least, I can get some stadium nachos, which I don't know why, but like sports nachos just taste better. Uh, I mean, look, I will eat a hot dog at sporting events, but I I wouldn't pay money to go see football. Soccer <laughs> or maybe hockey I might be into. Mm. Yeah, at least the constant movement and occasional fight. Those are fun. Yeah, not a bunch of math and yards and subtraction. Too much math. Football and baseball. You're talking about baseball. Like, I football, I don't know about math. I mean, at least with football, there is like a constant like building of tension in between plays. Like if you've ever been to a live game, it's it is actually pretty fun. Like I any mean, sporting I, game. I I have in high school. <laughs> baseball. That's high actually, school, though. I mean, high school compared we to like, had a good, sports. We had a good team. Because Texas, Texas high Texas. <laughs> It's actually, I went actually because my friends were in the band. And so the band is very good, too. <laughs> oh, yes. We are always great. Band always wins. That That's what our motto used to be, yeah. you know, at my high school that had a state losing record. We had band a, always wins. We had a really good uh, drum corps or whatever, too. So just it was all good. Just the football team I didn't care about. Drum line or drum corps? Because those are two different things. No, it was not either of those things. It was the. The people with the flags. <laughs> oh, the color guard. I guess. We yeah, had that's a different what they're called, name. We had a different name for them. Whatever. They were also very good rhythmically. <laughs> um, yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, that's what's popping for this week. We're going to take a quick break before embarking on the Grand Line to check out oh. the Netflix live action adaptation of One Piece. Stick around. I'm Charlene Kay. I'm a musician, songwriter, and guitarist. Growing up, I loved music. Whether it was pop, acoustic, emo, I ate it all up. But as a Chinese-American kid living in Scottsdale, Arizona, I also felt isolated, never really seeing artists who looked like me or shared my experiences. So after years of performing on stages all over the world, I wanted to create a space to highlight the amazing Asian musicians who I knew were out there, just not always getting played on the radio. That's why I started Golden Hour, a podcast where Asian singers, songwriters, instrumentalists, and music producers share their personal stories, and it's a space for you to discover your new favorite artist. Listen to Golden Hour with me, Charlene Kay, wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Potluck Podcast Collective. host the podcast Asians in Baseball alongside Naomi Ko and Scott Okamoto. Asians in Baseball is exactly what it sounds like, a podcast about the Asian and Asian Native Hawaiian Pacific Islander Americans in Major League Baseball. Every week, we break down the highlights of what's going on with Asians in Baseball and then take a deeper dive into the Asian and Asian Americans past and present who have shaped baseball as it is today. Whether you're Kim Ang's number one fan or you've never even heard of Hideo Nomo, we've got something for everyone, especially for the Shohei Otani stands. Maybe too much for the Shohei Otani stands. Listen to Asians in Baseball wherever you get podcasts, part of the Potluck Podcast Collective.
And welcome back to the Good Pop Culture Club. On this episode, we're talking about the new Netflix live-action adaptation of One Piece, um, developed by Matt Owens and Steve Maeda. Um, it is the live-action adaptation of the ongoing Japanese manga series that's been continuously releasing since 1997. That's fucking insane. That <laughs> that's that's that mm. you need someone needs Jesus. <laughs> the, the the show stars an ensemble cast um, including Inyaki Godoy, Emily Rudd, McEnroe, um, Jacob Gibson, and Ty Skyler as the members of the Straw Hat Pirates, um, led by their captain Monkey D. Luffy, as they um, adventure out in the open seas in search of the ultimate treasure, the One Piece. So I don't know what everyone's history with One Piece is. It's like. I mentioned it's been going on since 1997, which means it's like we're like, what, five, four years shy of like a whole 30 years of One Piece. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm sure we've all like as professional Asians are at least peripherally aware of One Piece as like a thing. So I'm curious, what did you all think of the live action adaptation <clears throat> of it? Let's start with Jess. So, oh, yeah. So <laughs> I've never seen the I'm very aware of it. It has permeated. It's one of the animes that I feel like has permeated mainstream culture. Um, my my husband referred to something called the Big Three yesterday when we were talking about One Piece. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? Because the Big Three, in my context, is Beyonce songs. Um, but he's like, yeah, like the three big animes that like were really popular came out around the same time were like Bleach, Naruto, and One Piece. It's like, yeah, I can see that. Um, I was a Naruto girly through and through. And I think what prevented me from engaging in One Piece was kind of the infamy of how long it was and how, like, <laughs> it still wasn't finished. And, like, running jokes that, like, it was never going to finish. And, like, I don't fuck with that. Like, I I just, like, that is, as, as like, a avid, like, person who gets into stories and books and futures and worlds, like, I was like, no, you have to like commit to finishing the story before I invest my time into it. Um, so this is actually my first kind of foray into One Piece. I did not know that this show was called One Piece because it refers to a large treasure <laughs> that was left in One Piece. And when he said that, I was like, oh, I get it. Which so that's is, the level I'm working with as I go into the show. Which is kind of hilarious because that quote is from chapter one of the manga and episode mm-hmm. one of the anime. Like, it's just right there up front. Yeah. So I just very actively chose, like, not to engage. Like, if I, I'm, you know, very aware of, like, his character's name is Luffy and, like, the iconography of the hat and, like, the red vest. Um, so, you know, I as I watched it, I was like, oh, like, this is a really fun story. Like, I see all the pieces of the world building, the characters, the found, you know, the formulas that I know works and that, you know, I know like, like it actually does make for a really good TV. Cause you're kind of like, Oh, there's a lot of things that can happen. There's enough meat in this world and in the setup of basically the situation that you can have a thousand filler episodes or 30 <laughs> years of filler episodes. Um, what struck out to me was I thought the casting was really wonderful. Um, I, again, don't really have a strong base for what these characters are necessarily supposed to be, but I think the actors bring, 
especially in Naki, who plays Luffy, mm-hmm. is such a like bright energy to center the show around. Um, and, you know, kind of the core that we meet, the core pirates, his straw hat pirates. I thought they were all just really fun and brought really good energy, different dynamics to kind of I, what I assume is going to, I hope this does not take 30 years, but <laughs> essentially, you know, who we're going to be spending time with. Um, there were some things that I was like, okay, like, how close is this to the anime? Um, there were some choices that I felt like, and we can talk more about that later, that I felt like, oh, I think this is too anime for a live action. Like, I don't I don't understand the point of doing a live adap- adaptation if you're just going to make real like the animation like to me that isn't what an adaptation should be and some of the haircuts and some of the styling choices were like hard when you try to translate literally or like one-on-one to like a live action um but i thought yeah so so i was most impressed with just kind of casting and like seeing these actors uh imbue with energy uh, but again, I I don't have a frame re- reference. Like I don't know how similar it is to the reg to the OG animated series or the OG manga. Um, and to me, it's just like oh, I I I do wonder because I'm like I do I wonder like what is the point of <laughs> recreating the same show but with a different with like real people. Yeah, and I think it's important to note, I think uh, Matt Owens, who is the one of the co-showrunners, has said, I think, that this show, this live-action show, is an adaptation of the manga, not the anime. Okay. So they're, they're adapting from the comic. Is, okay. Is, is there is there a stated there intention? Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Um, Han, well, how was your experience with One Piece live-action? Well, so I did actually watch the anime, um, probably... In its inception, so probably 97, 98, 99, um, I assume my brother, you know, introduced me to it because I seem to have memories of watching it with him. Um, Wait, my so twin. did you watch like the the sub like bootleg or did you watch like the very, very censored like after school cartoon version of it? I think it was bootleg. Um, we watched a lot of bootleg anime <laughs> growing up. <laughs> Uh, there was even- yeah, it was hard to get. You had to do that. Yeah, there was even a shop we used to go to that was a tiny Japanese grocery store, but then had a wall of um, VHS cassettes where literally it was anime uh, taped off of TV, so we could watch the commercials in Japanese too, and we didn't have subtitles, so we were just kind of like figuring it out as we went along. This was not that. I do remember understanding the show, so <laughs> it must have had some sort of Australian subs or something. But um, but yeah, I don't remember much about watching it. I just remember it was kind of fun, and there was a lot of action um, and adventure, so whatever the spirit of it is, sort of still translated in this for me, but I had forgotten so much of it, honestly, that this felt like kind of a new experience, which was cool. Um, there are a few moments where I was like, yeah, that feels familiar. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I think what I liked about it was because it was somewhat fresh to me that this season was essentially what I love about heist films, which is getting the gang together 
And um, so it was just fun every single time we got a new person in. They were like uh, begrudgingly trying to join or something like that. <laughs> um, yeah, it was very colorful um, because it is based off the uh, manga. I think it was very well serialized and paced, um, very brisk storytelling. Um, I thought the acting was, you know, the, the characters were very charming as far as the casting goes. So, yeah, overall, I enjoyed it. Um, a few weird moments, you know, just because it is live action and we can go into that more. But overall, yeah, I really thought it was entertaining. I told both my brothers to watch it. <laughs> yeah. Um, the last time I followed One Piece in earnest was I, I remember distinctly reading it while I was still in on campus housing. So it had to be like 2004. Um, and even by then it was, it was already up to like <laughs> chapter like 300, 400. Like it, it's literally like season three territory. If we're going at this pace, I mean, uh, was, was when I stopped 20 yeah. years ago. Yeah. None of us finished um, it, but I did like this adaptation. Like, again, it's been a long time since I read it and, and, and I didn't go back and like reread it because who has the time to go through a thousand plus like mm-hmm. anime episodes or like, I don't even know how much, how far along the, um, the, the manga is right now but um the beats did seem really familiar i remember so uh full disclosure i did work on a netflix podcast project um related to one piece um mm-hmm. for my for my day job as a podcast producer and so i did have access to the script so i did actually read the the pilot script um months ago and i remember think reading and thinking huh they're they're going they're doing a pretty close like almost one-on-one um adaptation of at least the first like arc which is interesting because, like, when you go into live action adaptation, that's always a big question, right? How closely do you adapt? Do you adapt like one to one, or do you like do your own thing, or do you do a mix? And we've seen, like, it's the same thing we see in like Disney live action adaptations, right? Like, we've seen both versions succeed and also not succeed. So it's mm-hmm. always like a, it's always a, a tough call. But I feel like the live action adaptation for One Piece really did work. And I was thinking about it because I really did not like the Cowboy Bebop live action Mm. adaptation. Um, And the tone of both these shows are pretty similar. It's like pretty quippy, pretty irreverent. And I felt like that irreverent tone worked a lot better here than in Cowboy Bebop. And I think a big reason is like, Cowboy Bebop is a pretty complex show. I've, we, we've talked about this in our discussion episode. It deals with a lot of more mature themes and it's doing a lot of like thematic work. Whereas One Piece is just like a simple shonen story about like dumb himbos who have big dreams and like want to fight <laughs> stronger and stronger enemies. And like the original manga didn't have a lot of quiet moments. Like this live action actually in, introduced a lot of more like quiet moments to the show. Like my biggest memory of the the one piece that I read and watched was a lot of yelling. Like people were always shouting at the top of their lungs and yes. like <laughs> yeah. a lot of energy. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think I kind of got tired of that, which is why I kind of dropped off mm-hmm. after a while. But yeah, I'm really glad that, um, that this, this version was successful. It seems like a lot of people really like it. And maybe it's because I know I've met the showrunner. I've worked with them now. Like I'm, I'm happy for them to like have something under their belt because I know they're really, really stressed. I remember going to the studio the day after he showed like an early cut of the first episode to um, Atro Oda, the original mangaka, and like he was like the relief on his face when he said that Oda really enjoyed it and gave it his blessing. Like, like you can tell that he really cared that like he didn't f this up. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I. 
think, again, it's set up really well. The story threads that are being set up, you can see where we're going to get drama, right? You know, one of the first introductions um, is, or the first relationships we see is Luffy and, oh my God, what is the Marine kid's name? Kobe. Kobe, right? And you, you can see they're like interlocking but opposite dreams. And you can, you know, I, I've watched enough manga to know or anime to know that that's going to come back and they're probably going to have a friend of me. Like, there's probably like a lot of gay shipping of them <laughs> somewhere. Am I correct, Marvin? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you're getting these, like, you know, you're getting the running bit of we're not your crew. And I'm like, oh, I cannot wait until that pays off at the end of the season when they're like, oh, we are your crew. Like, <laughs> you know, it's, it's set up all really well. Um, and I think a lot of that is the source material. And it's a like really fun world building. Like, you know, it's just there is so much going on in this show. Like in terms of, again, someone who is not familiar with the world building of One Piece like to I I I just kind of knew there was pirates. I was like, okay, I'm I'm getting that they're all looking for this treasure. That's cool. Um, I was like, wait, there's fruit. Like, what does the fruit have to do? <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, there's a lot of characters being introduced. Um, and then there's more characters being introduced. And wait, why is there a clown? Like, is that a normal thing in this world? Um, and I just think sometimes when you take it from a like. You know, cartoons and animated things like you can kind of get away with more a heightened sense of yeah. existence. And I kind of feel like that's where this live action adaptation succeeds is like the creators are full well adapting a cartoon and don't seem to be embarrassed by it. Like they're not going out of their way to explain or like to like hedge all of their like goofy shit. Like they're embracing like this is a goofy world. Everything is it's kind of like our discussion last week about bottoms. Like this is a world where you have superpowers and where pirates dressed as clowns or he's just a clown. I don't think he's dressed as a clown. Like he's just a clown man exists and people don't really react to that. They react to the fact that he's being a dick. Yes. Um, but I think for me, it's always like. And maybe this is, I don't know if this is too early to ask the big question, but I'm just like, does the live action bring a different point of view story-wise than the animated adaptation, the anime version of the manga? Because for me, I'm just like, I don't, like, I was like, I kept just thinking points. I'm like, this would probably just be better as a cartoon. Um, and I don't, really see why because we talked about like disney adaptations before like i don't think any of the disney adaptations have been successful so i don't really understand why this exists and which is and i do think some of the production things you it's funny i, I wrote in the notes you said like you really like the production design i'm like really i thought it looks like cheap netflix cgi well i mean the cgi looked like Netflix CGI, but like a lot of the practical sets and mm -hmm. the like the costuming I thought was done really well. I really enjoyed them at least. Yeah. Yeah. I think the practical stuff I like. I I just don't know if that worked for me. I, I feel like it's it was some of them look really good and some of them I'm like, okay, this is like looks like you're making fun of a cartoon. I think some of the or like you're you're some of it looked like, oh, this like could be a real world thing. And some of it looked like, oh, you are be very aware that this is like a cartoon 
come to life. So are you I was referring just like, to the transponder snails, like their their snail mode of communication? <laughs> well, I'm just no even things like the Marines costumes. I was like, these look so cheap, you know, like like, and then you have a guy in like a full like you know naval wear, and <laughs> I'm sure that's what they wear in the manga. But I'm like, I don't know. For me, it's just like very jarring. And I kept going back to the same question. I'm like, did we need this? Like, I I don't know if it's made a strong enough point of why it needs to exist. I mean, I don't think, I mean, the simple question, the simple answer to that question for any of these live action annotations is it exists because money, right? Yes. Yes. Um, But at the very least, like if this was going to happen, I do like that they at least appear to have put effort into it and did a good job in like, Making the world like effortlessly diverse, <laughs> as like terrible yes, as it's to say. I did like, love that. That you know, if we're going in this crazy, wild, uh, you know, direction of of this world, like you know, why why wouldn't we have like a diverse cast? And I I think that was in is always the correct way to go. Um, but like that's kind of like feels like rewarding a show or creative team for doing what they probably should be doing in the first place. It's like rewarding a boyfriend for being nice to his girlfriend. Like you should be doing that anyway. Yeah. But we also like given the state of the industry know how hard it is to do that too. Right. Like how needlessly <laughs> hard it is. Yeah. Is what I mean. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, look, we, we've, I do agree that for the most part, do we need this? I, and the money angle is obviously, the big reason that they do it. I do think though that at least enough time has passed from when it started that of course it's a money situation, but new, a lot of people may not have gone back and watched that (laughs) just because it's available. I haven't watched one piece like the anime. So, um, but now Netflix is telling me to, but, uh, so There's so many episodes, God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to go and do that. It's kind of like yeah, with the wheel of, true. like with the wheel of time. I didn't go back and read all of the books once the guy died and someone else took over for him. Like th- there was too much of a span of time for me to go back and reread those. So, um, but I will say besides Cowboy Bebop, um, I had, since I've been watching a lot of like Japanese things lately, there was one thing that I like the story, but it was so weird. It's called Hanakimi. Um, and it's an adaptation of uh, a manga also. But the thing is, I didn't realize that in the live action, all the characters would act like they're manga characters. And so <laughs> their facial expressions and like screaming was insane to the point where I was just like, what? Did I enter a weird alternate reality? But the problem was everything was sort of the same, like, in um everything looked realistic so at least i liked in this that maybe even though the costumes felt very like sort of kitschy or costumey um I like the costumes. that made it for me like that helped me sort of feel like i was in this fantasy world yeah um so it fit for me yeah and i agree that I, if the acting in this was as like over the top as like the manga or the anime, it would have made for a really annoying show. So I did like that, like they tone down on the shouting. But even Luffy, like in yeah, this yeah. show, he's yeah. yelling all the time. But here, like he's not yelling all the time, but he's still very enthusiastic. Which I yes. think Inyaki did a really good job embodying his like 
just like boundless mm-hmm. energy and like just like his it's optimism. His, yes. He did yeah. a and really good job because he definitely could have been annoying, but he wasn't. And I found him very charming. So yeah. that's a really good balance. Um, let's talk about Makinryu, who you both have on here as Hot Zoro. <laughs> Um. He's very hot. I had, to, I had, uh, you know. Also, you fucking old when you're like, mm, let me, let me double check the age before I get gross. <laughs> I was like, twenty six. That is okay. I think not, not for me. But at the same time, I don't feel like I'm robbing a cradle. But I mean, look, the thing is, he was in that weird Knights of the Zodiac movie, and I remember thinking, <laughs> oh, you're decent looking, but too bad I'm not going to watch this movie. So I'm very glad he got this role. Um, I also do feel like with the green hair, he looks really hot. Um, and I apparently this is a thing for me. Um, guys with an earring. Um, I've, I've, <laughs> he has three earrings yeah, on. I've been watching a lot of Thai. One for each sword. Yeah, I've been watching a lot of Thai things and they wear a lot of earrings in there. And I was just like, I didn't know it was a thing for me. But yes, yeah, so Zoro or uh, Ro-Ro-Ro-Ro-Ro-Ro-Ro-Ro-Ro-Ro-Ro-Ro-Ro-Ro-Ro-Ro-Ro-Ro-Ro-Ro-Ro-Ro-Ro-Ro-Ro-
No, we're not Alvita, that positive. Maybe just more. I know she's oh, not a, right. like, a Shaha, but just you know, yeah. unearned. Yeah, I unearned confidence and like r- like reckless. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> um, no one's a buggy, right? Speaking of no. buggy, I hear there's a lot oh. of people that are really in love. No, with No, people this clown. are really horny for Buggy the clown, and I do not get it. He's is very it, creepy. Is it specifically him, or do they just like clowns? Do they have a clown fetish? I think both, because people were really horny for it. Uh, when, as played by the Skarsgård brother. Uh, um, and, you know, people are not well, Han, yeah. on the internet. But, I, I mean, I, I can kind of see, like, behind it is a handsome actor man. Who? But also, there is nothing more... I, I don't know what is more, like, insecure male incel vibes than, like, oh, yeah. kidnapping a whole town to... <laughs> Make sh- make laugh at my know, jokes. Laugh at my jokes, bitch. Yeah, I'm just like, oh, that is. I do appreciate that is a lot. I do appreciate that he didn't go Joker fight on us. Like, right, right. he had he to gave do something us, different. Like, he gave us um, um, he gave us like an angry clown, but not like a nihilistic one, which I really appreciated because I feel like there's only been one mode of ang- like mad clown this past few decades, and it's Christopher Nolan's. Mm, mm. Not not Joaquin Phoenix. I mean that's Jokery. A, I feel like Joaquin Phoenix's Joker was also like a derivation of the Ledger Joker, right? Yeah, he's just creepy, and I again, so y'all need help if you horny for the creepy clown. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Like in general, it's like whatever floats your boat. But I do have to say, clowns are just evil. So what's wrong with you? What about the <laughs> fish dudes? Oh, I I did find it entertaining, but I almost felt like they didn't go far enough with the fishiness of them um which is weird to say (laughs) but yeah (laughs) like (laughs) like they just look like fish and they swim but there weren't maybe not enough fish jokes i'm not sure what i wanted but like yeah i kind of wanted more from the fish dudes. yeah what they gave us was a little what they gave us was a little off too and i'll talk about more that in in spoiler zone but But, um, like they should have had a flounder guy whose eyes were on like one side of his face. Um, just there were, I think there were missed opportunities for fun. Yeah, and I think one of the things that I, I, I guess as someone who is like somewhat familiar with at least this early, like I think like one tenth of the entire story, mm-hmm. is that there are things that I know that when I watch, it's like oh they're bringing that stuff forward, and. For the most part, they do it in interesting ways. Like, there's a whole B plot, running B plot that is adapted from like what Oda does in his manga. It's the cover of every chapter. There's like a side story going on as you read. That's like kind of concurrent and becomes plot relevant. Sometimes like hundreds of chapters down the line. Mm-hmm. Like it's hundreds. a very long game thing. Um, yes. And so the story revolving like the marine side of the season is adapting those stories and. You know, they're trying to interweave that into the main plot as well. Because in the original, like, run, you don't see a Marine, like, any of these Marine characters Mm -hmm. at all during this entire, like, like, Garp doesn't show up till, like, episode, like, 300, 400, like, way down the line. Mm. Um, You don't see Kobe again until, like, episode, like, 300, 400. Like, it's, (laughs) it's, you know, the the first. That's insane. Yeah, like, the first arc is just Luffy's adventures collecting his. You know, mm-hmm. initial straw hat crew. crew. Um, so 
I want to say like that's that would that was the one part that did not work as well for me because I as like a person who knows what's coming up would have preferred that these things been kept secret. But I know why they did it, and it's to seed future seasons, um, in order to probably get like that second season greenlit, right? Interesting. And, I also think you know when you're writing a TV show, like I, I don't know the rules of you know, manga dumb, but, and, and how you can get away with introducing something that will pay off like 600 chapters later. Mm-hmm. You can't do that in TV. It's, you know, you need to see that. And, you know, there will, you know, no spoilers, but you know, some of those relationships we learn are like very important. Um, and I think, you know, I've not, again, not watched the, or read the, the original source material, but my gut is telling me, like, you know, we're heading towards some kind of dramatic confrontation between Kobe and um, <laughs> Luffy. Like, Kobe's going to have to make a choice eventually. Mm-hmm. Luffy's going to have to make a choice. Um, and I, you you got to see that earlier in a TV show or mm-hmm. else people are going to be mad. Like, people are going to be like, what the fuck? Like, that's convenient that you brought this character into XYZ. I am surprised they revealed some of the facts mid-season mm-hmm. um i thought they would have saved that for maybe like yeah a season finale or something like or that episode right before the finale like not yeah yeah and yeah. i guess for me it just made those elements feel a little shoehorned in like kind of wish they i mean again like you're dealing with the eight episode season and the trappings of tv makes it so that you can't like introduce someone just to have them come back like in season three or four Right. Yes. Um, but at the same time, it did like I feel like I would have preferred just to focus on Luffy's adventures. Leave the the like the marine storyline to like maybe a post credits thing or something. Like. I I think that would have worked if they formatted the show differently. I was surprised to learn these were like hour long episodes because aren't I don't know like is the anime half hour or one hour? I mean, most anime typically are half like hours, half hour, yeah. right? So, I mean, you can have, like, sh- silly shenanigan, like, episode of the week things when it's 30 minutes. But if you're going to do an hour, it's, you know, you, you can't really do a whole episode just on, like, I-, I don't even know what one of these 30 years of filler episodes would be. Like, but I feel like they could. Then we get the like, Mandalorian. Really... Then it becomes the Mandalorian, Marvin. And I think that would have been fine. I mean, the thing is... The Marine storyline is not like it's not plot critical, right? The, this relationship, this like that we learn this early on the storyline should be about Luffy setting off and learning how to become a pirate and like getting shenanigans, going on adventures. Like I did like what they did with a lot of like the arcs, like the the Syrup Village arc where he meets Usopp and has to deal with um, the evil butler who's actually a pirate. Like the way that they did that as like a thriller and a slasher was really cool because in the cartoon like in the anime and the manga there's no like theme shifts like that it's all pretty straightforward like luffy charges forward he meets a enemy that's strong he defeats him out of like sheer determination and moves on to the next village where he finds another enemy that's really strong but he defeats him out of sheer determination like that's kind of the the loop of one piece and the fact that they kind of turned this middle this arc into like something more like a horror right i thought that was really really interesting and so to have that like broken up with like this i don't know it just i feel like they didn't need it it's fine that it's there like the marine storyline but I feel like they could have had a pretty strong like show just focusing on Luffy's adventures too. I 
disagree. I think for a Western audience, I think for Netflix and the kind of programming they do, um, I th- and I'm, obviously this is geared towards, you know, English speaking Western audience. Um, I don't think we are used to that kind of show. And I don't know if that like the like a sitcom, essentially a sitcom format, or I don't think that's in vogue right now. Um, and I mean, it doesn't even I, need to be a sitcom format. Like the the thriller plot in Syrup Town per se, right? You have the A plot, which is Luffy. You have the B plot, which is like the the heiress, and then you have the C plot, which is Zoro's past. Like we did not need that D plot of the Marines playing Go on the ship. Right. Oh, you're speaking specifically of like that as opposed. To, I thought you're talking about like the entirety of like introducing the Marines. I the mean, Marines is important because Kobe wants to be in the Marines. Yeah, but Kobe wasn't was like. <laughs> I guess I guess this is the trappings of introducing Kobe as like a main character because he's not a main character in the anime or the manga. He's like a tertiary. But he might be in this one, <laughs> and my gut is telling me he will be because there is no reason you introduce him first. Before Luffy, even right or like around that, you know, he he's literally like our first little world that we meet at right after the whole setup of the the yeah. Gold, the I mean, Roger. in the original series, he's like the episodic companion of that first arc, and then he like gets left behind to join the Marines afterwards, and that's kind of the last we see of him for in like comic book terms, like two three years. My bet is he's gonna be a much bigger character, and he's gonna drive a lot of the um. Cause, cause you know, in the show you kind of need like all sides against the hero, right? Like you got to kind of paint your hero into the corner and then like get him out. Um, and which is interesting. That's my that's guess not, is what they're going to do, which is interesting because that's not exactly the one piece vibe. It's an adaptation, <laughs> Marvin. It's an adaptation. And I think it's good that they're making changes because again, I think if you're just going to do like a frame by frame recreation, like what is the point? I think I was all right with it. Um, with the Marines, uh, I, maybe yeah, it's just like another force. It's another obstacle or an antagonist, but coming from a different angle, right? Yeah, maybe, which is may- interesting because the next arc, they go against a Marine, which is mm-hmm. the first Marine in the comic to go against after the Axe Hand guy. Mm-hmm. And he's kind of like, he's the guy they tease at the end of the season, which is why I was like, I guess for me, it was, it was fine because I do like that relationship that they tease in that um, Marine plot. It's just in terms of like, did we need it? I don't know if we needed it. Do we need any of this <laughs> again? That's the thing. I'm just like, okay. And here's my here's my other big question: like, how much did this cost? Probably a lot, right? It's yeah, it's, they built a lot, of, a lot practical of practical spots. sets. Yeah. Huge, lots of CGI, huge cast. Um, like you know, your your it's pretty big production design. So like, did we need another version? a live action version of the story, which is pretty serviced in other formats already, including a film, even though it's animated, a film visual moving, um, you know, medium or like, did we, could we have used this to make something else? And I just truly think like, like, I, I just find it so like, like disrespectful to the art of like animation, which I love. I'm like, why, why don't you just watch the animated version? Like, uh, you know, outside the whole, like 
making money IP thing. Because, you know, a lot of other adaptations, when you adapt famous characters or IP, it's like you're taking the characters, but you're telling your own version of the story. And it may be like, okay, we're doing a certain origin story, but we're, we're maybe using the same characters, but it's a different story, different plot. Um, and and for we don't do that for anime, right? Like, we don't do that for anime. We don't take these characters and create new stories. Like, was there a world where we could have taken Luffy, the Straw Hat characters, and, like, maybe just made it a show about, like, their shenanigans while looking for the treasure, more of a, you know, like, problem of the week story, and just, like, make up your own episodes and storylines as opposed to like adapting the existing story because that's what we do with superheroes right we're not directly translating you know every comic book um like every superhero every superman or batman comic we take batman and we put him in a new situation or we put batman or superman and we try to put you know i will argue maybe there hasn't been a super successful superman adaptation but we take the wonder woman story and we like make her put her in a story that's like relevant and we have certain similar beats of her origin story or her powers. But like, this is not something that exists in any other form. Like this specific story. I was like, how come we don't do that? That's a genuine question. Like, how come we don't do that with anime? Cause I feel like anime and Western comics are, cause Western comics have that already established in its canon where it's like, one character can have a billion different origin stories based on which iteration of it they are. Whereas one piece is a continuous story that's been going on for almost 30 years. And I guess it just doesn't have that history of resetting, right? Like one piece didn't reset its entire storyline after like the first thousand episodes, right? It's still ongoing. It's still still the same single storyline, linear story. Uh, And again, it just comes to back with like this we already have, there's already a show like with actors, voice actors, but actors and like visuals and, you know, scenes and editing that exists. So to just do it again, even in this live action version, seems a little redundant to me. Um, before we get into our more spoilery conversation, um, let's, um, let's wrap up our discussion by asking, is One Piece, the Netflix live action adaptation, good pop? Oh, I would say Yes, uh, I think regardless what your sort of relationship with One Piece was originally, if you didn't have it or not, um, I clearly forgot most of One Piece. I think it stands on its own um, and it's really entertaining and you can watch it, I think, with kids. There's a lot of drinking, but other than that, (laughs) nothing wrong. I think I'm less fond of it than y'all, but I'm not necessarily. I know I've been hard on it, but I'm not. I'm not offended by it or anything. Um, I just think it's not for me. This is one that's not for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, but you know, I if it, I'm I like it when people get paid to write things and make things, and I'm very happy for Steve Maeda and the very lovely, seems like lovely cast this diverse cast uh, to get to adapt such a big IP. Um, so yeah, not mad about it, but I think I will probably skip out on some of it on some of the future seasons. Not for me. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. I was pleasantly surprised at the pilot, how like how well it adapted the energy of a one piece. And the fact that like, I didn't hate it, 
like I hated like <laughs> Cowboy Bebop was like instant like oh I don't know about this like I had bad vibes right yeah. away with One Piece I was like this is this works this works for me and the the bar is so low for I think like lo- like animated live a- action adaptations when one is like pretty good you're like fucking amazing <laughs> amazing yeah and you definitely get what you come to a One Piece for which is Luffy being a good pirate like right? he never really like pillages or like raises cities he just like wants to just be free you, you get cool ridiculous fights with like stretchy powers and a guy who uses three swords um and you get the occasional you know moments of friendship which is what one piece is all about um the power of friendship and pirates so yeah i definitely enjoyed it um looking forward to the next season um because i know like I know what's coming up. They did tease it in the last episode of where they're heading next. And it's either the next arc or the next one after that where they go to like a big sky island, which is pretty cool. So, yeah, excited. I'm happy for, I guess, Netflix. If you if you can be happy for a corporation. Ooh, for are finally, we allowed to be happy for, for finally Netflix getting right one now? of these? Right. Um, for proving that they don't mess everything up. I think that's that's a good sign. Um, looking forward to. I wonder because the next one up is the Gundam movie, oh. which oh okay, don't fuck that one up. Yeah. Raymond's gonna cry if that yeah. one's bad. <laughs> All right, um, before we go, um, Jess Han, if people want to find out more of your thoughts, where can they go? Um, I have no thoughts in the next month, and uh, so if you want to find me, I'll be in Italy. <laughs> uh, so good luck with that. Uh, and I am at Anonymous on Twitter, Threads, Blue Sky, Instagram, wherever. <laughs> yeah, you can find me at Marvin Yuet. You can find our show at Good Pop Club. We are a proud member of the Potluck Podcast Collective. Check out our fellow Asian American hosted podcast by going to the website podcastpotluck.com. And yeah, um, stay tuned for our um, One Piece spoiler zone. But if not, um, we'll see you all next time. Um, bye, everybody. Bye. <laughs>it's a little crazy sometimes sometimes it's confusing sometimes it's funny sometimes it's beautiful and sometimes it can just piss us off enter first of all podcast it's a safe space for real conversations about the things that we all struggle with celebrate contemplate and work through in our daily lives i'm your host mindy chang i'm an actor filmmaker and entrepreneur with a colorful background a full life and brilliant friends who i love to unpack life with to share with all of you They are everyday people like you and me, ranging from award-winning artists, cultural icons, powerful CEOs, my hilarious childhood friends, and even my mom. Tune in for honest conversations on mental health, dating, sex, family, career, culture, and everything in between. Listen to First of All wherever you find podcasts, part of the Potluck Podcast Collective. All right. Uh, welcome to the One Piece live action spoiler zone. Uh, for the next few minutes, we'll be talking about all the twists and turns of the One Piece live action adaptation um, that uh, might be might be deemed spoilery. Um, I guess to start off, Han, you had a really big reaction to the <laughs> um, the flashback portion of Sanji's story because throughout this throughout the series we see the flashbacks of what made our crew members who they are today 
And Sanji's story is that he was marooned on this like rocky was an island. Out, it was like a rocky outcropping, just but it was stone tower island. Yeah. Um, with um the pirate who tried to rob his ship, and um he was given a bag of food and told to like wait for a rescue, and yeah. then afterwards he learns that he actually got all the food. And that the other pirate, who is his like chef mentor from the Baratier, survived by eating his own leg. <laughs> Which, after seeing that, I was like, "Oh yeah, that did happen." Yes, that in the was comic. You know, that's a lot. Why could I not remember this? <laughs> but and also, of course, we knew that he had a peg leg. We we in the present time we saw he had a peg leg. But you know, pirates have peg legs. Like in in a pirate world. Where there are fishmen, where there's a crazy clown, you kind of just don't notice the peg leg, really. So we should have seen it coming. But at the same time, I laughed my ass off when it was revealed. He's like, wait, why? Do, instead of food in your bag, you have treasure? And then, and then you see the, like the trail of blood and then the stump of the leg. And you're like, you ate your leg. And I'm just thinking... Couldn't you have just gotten fish? Like, that's, like there, there's no drama to that, Han. Which These like, pirates are dramatic as fuck. Yeah, this is one piece. They go the most extreme. Like the first instance of that was Shang sacrificing his arm to save. There's Luffy. there's a lot of dismemberment. Yes. I was like, again, some of these things are maybe like a little unnecessary, but I get it. Like we have to establish like the daddy issues. We have to establish like the abandonment issues. Like, I, look, I was fine, but it still made me laugh. It was it, it was just like okay, if you're gonna do that, but also like, how did you prepare it? Like, <laughs> I I have questions. Wait, uh, <laughs> okay, I don't. <laughs> I mean, this was already like the this adaptation was surprisingly violent, like way more than the cartoon was or the anime, like a lot more blood, a lot more like inferences to like people dying in like. Well, they like fucking ways. open this with stabbing the gold Roger with like I they didn't even yeah. behead him because yeah. usually you get a behead and like a cut yeah. and just like, you know, you hear a head thump or like you see something. But like they just fucking stabbed him in like the kidneys yeah. from the back. Yeah. I'm like, damn bitch. <laughs> that was that was pretty brutal. Yeah. That was and when they like introduce Alvita, they have her like smashing heads with a hammer. Yeah. Um Zoro's introduction scene is him like slicing a dude in half and you seeing the body fall in two mm-hmm. different directions. Yeah. Um that I mean, scene go, was also go like for a, it. If you're gonna go for it, go for it. <laughs> I, I I guess I like that because even though in some ways I'm like Luffy when I was a kid, it's like, oh my god, piracy is so fun. But at the same time, you know pirates are brutal. Well, they're rapists and murderers and like do all these things. But he, the way Luffy's doing it, it's kind of like not even gentleman pirate, but he's kind of like a charming pirate. Like he's just going to win over everybody. So well, I mean, that's he's an anime protagonist, and anime right. pr- protagonists can't be bad guys. Not at least not in the shonen. He can be great, yeah, manga, right. right? Shonen like because his, it's for boys. Yes, I yeah. Get it. His whole thing is he wants to adventure. He wants to like steal treasure and like find treasure, find buried right. treasure. But he never. He's not like a raider pirate, right. right? He doesn't like go and like. So so that's what I'm saying is like if you're gonna have him be like this great like pirate like. In some ways, you have to show the contrast, which is to show that pirates are brutal. And so, or swordsmen or anyone else in the world. like It's a brutal environment and world that they, he is living in. And so that is why he's a shining you know, example of what you should be doing or something. 
So, yeah, I appreciated the violence, I guess, in this series. Yeah, or it's just too, like, dumb to know the difference because he, <laughs> because he's an invulnerable rubber man, he doesn't have to deal with, like, the the dangers of being hurt or maimed by these ruthless pirates because they just, like, you know, they bounce off of him. But his friends do, so. Yeah. And don't hurt, don't threaten his friends. Yeah. We love a pirate with a code. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of code, one of the things that did like kind of didn't sit well, especially in like our year 2023, Mm -hmm. was the Fishman arc where they're like essentially like their allegories for like the slave trade, right? Like the Mm -hmm. transatlantic slave trade. And so you have these like they're not emancipated, but like these free fishmen who decide to oppress the oppressor. And that's that type of storyline always sits a little off. Mm -hmm. Like, especially when like done in a western lens or like language yeah because honestly when he was giving his big you know villain speech i was just like honestly i kind of sympathize with you i don't like the fact that in this storyline they made him i don't know i guess be violent back in a in a way that well they made him an ethnocentrist like nationalist too yeah in his own right which is not like which I guess makes not him look, great. It's not great, but like it, it colors his villainness. Mm-hmm. I wish there was more like nuance. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like maybe don't like we're already tackling a lot. Like maybe you didn't need to add this extra layer of complicated storytelling. Yeah. But it's going to be like, cause that's his character. He's like a fish man supremacist, mm-hmm. but that's <laughs> that kind of story layer. is always going to like be a little like iffy when told in like an American property, mm-hmm. right? Um and like he was already pretty villainous as like a pirate raider who like mm-hmm. pretty much reigning over this island, right? Can't win them all. Yeah. But yeah, that 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 sat a little weird with me when I was listening to that. I was like, oh, who wrote this? <laughs> it's like they should have updated it. Yeah. I mean in terms of the world, like it's fine. Yeah. Like, you can see how this person is someone who uses like his people's oppression to like justify his own like his own bullshit but i think it's only in the lens of like we're watching this in america in 2023 that it's it's i think it's one of those situations where like our brains are just too too smart too hardwired yeah Yeah. (laughs) just be like oh that feels weird because you can instantly clock the allegory right away when he starts like going up speech it was like why the second black panther felt very weird because like they were villainizing people who I had sympathy for. <laughs> so I was just like, wait, why do I want both of these people fighting each other? They should be teaming up against the white people. Um, so yeah, it, they were just they're just those moments for sure that I didn't understand. Yeah. Uh, and I guess not to go back to whether or not the marine storyline was necessary, <laughs> but you know, it's there. <laughs> so we have to accept it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they did kind of pull up the reveal that Garp is Luffy's grandfather, which again didn't happen until they actually met for the first time in like way down the line mm. in the manga series. And I'm not mad about that. I think I think again you need to speed up some things that will make us care about like the involvement of the marine storyline. So yeah, having like this formative friendship between Kobe and Luffy, but then also Luffy kind of like, you know. Or like Kobe being like surrogate grandson esque vibes, or like the beginnings of that. I was like, oh, we're gonna and, and especially because on ultimately the themes of this story are like 
daddy issues, right? Yeah. Like everyone got mm-hmm. fucking daddy issues up <laughs> the wazoo. So like, yeah, like that makes a lot of sense to me structurally. Yeah, I'm surprised they didn't reveal his father yet because he's also a very mm-hmm. important um, element in the relationship between um, the monkey family. So um, yeah, because th- this in this world, like Garp's full name is Monkey D. Garp. This is like a world yes. where the surname is up front, which is interesting. Um, like Japanese. Yeah, I feel like I didn't mind the reveal. I had more of a problem with the res- resolution. Mm. of that yeah. arc which is this was all just me testing you like garp testing yeah. Luffy he to see of- if he's ready to be a pirate which i no. get that's how you like kind of remove him from the next arc without like having to continue that storyline indefinitely it, it was a weird quick about face like yeah nah i didn't buy it <laughs> that was a little bit sloppy like that right part here. was a live action original like scene yeah because no. his Interaction with Garp in in the original source material had similar like tones, right? Garp wanted to like stop Luffy because he didn't think Luffy was ready, and Luffy like succeeds. But I might be remembering this wrong. But in the original source material, that original fight was a fight, mm. like in the seas. They could have done a more nuanced way of resolving, maybe not even resolving, but somehow separating the two. Because I think. What they wanted, and which is what we got, was the that now Luffy has a price on his head, right? He has a wanted poster, and it had to come from the Marines, right? So whatever they did, they had to have some sort of confrontation, but maybe they could have definitely done something different. Where Because I did, in that moment, I was like, did I fall asleep? I was like, what? Did I miss something? Why, why did this just happen? And so I rewound a little bit. And I was like, nope. <laughs> um, I mean, the, the bounty was always placed by the corrupt marine from the town, yeah. Nazumi, the, the okay. mouse guy. In the source material, he gets defeated by Luffy and his crew, and as revenge, places mm-hmm. a bounty on them. Okay. Because that's his right as a marine. But the mouse guy is just also. Yeah. And. <laughs> lame. I don't know. <laughs> and, I mean, this is, this, is a, this is a world where. All the Marines and all the pirate captains all have their own quirks, right? They have yeah. their own style. Like we haven't even gotten to like the more outrageously dressed pirates and stuff <laughs> yet. Um, I mean, look, that was the one thing. As as much as I appreciate Sanji for his cooking, the fact that he was wearing a suit the full time, like I know that's his character and from manga, but I was like, why are you like? You must be sweating. <laughs> oh God, seriously! <laughs> and how can you move? Is it made out of like spandex? Like what? I don't get it. Um, but yeah, like I would rather be dressed like any of the other pirates. Luffy's outfit's really cute. Yes. I think I was like, I can rock yeah. this vest and little hat for but... for Halloween. I could definitely dress like him very comfortably. <laughs> yeah. So that's to say, like, we didn't need Garb there for the bounty because Garb wasn't yeah. even the one that placed Got the bounty it. in the first place. It was yeah. always Mouse Man. He could have just um, still been like in the background, but sort of like maybe almost got him and then like sees Luffy like waving his hat from like afar. Um, but yeah, I don't they didn't need to actually confront each other here. That could have been the a part of a cliffhanger, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's just the result of having to include finding a way to tie up that storyline, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, but I guess we'll see what happens in the next season. There's still more members of the crew that have yet to be introduced. I think the next still, yeah, I think that the <laughs> oh next crew member to join is Tony Tony Chopper, 
which will be really yes. interesting because he is a humanoid reindeer who joins as the crew's doctor. And I'm really curious to see how they approach this because, like, will he be a Muppet? Will he be CG? Like, there is, like, I don't know, like, Jesse, if you type in Tony Tony Chopper and okay, look for the character, on. you'll know what I'm talking about and how, like... Oh, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, CGI. It's going to be a CGI, like, little cute thing. I'm trying to like, or will, or will he just be a man oh, yeah. with horns? Oh, I do right? remember Chopper. Yes. Very cute. Uh, hmm. At the same time, I mean, now that's done well, they'll probably ask for some CGI budget and get yeah. it. So I guess since season two is coming, we'll see how that all turns out because the entire internet is waiting to see what this little little weird guy is going to look like. And then um, I hope he's cute and not scary yeah, for y'all. Yeah, I hope he's cute. Um, and I think we saw the last frame. Was it that smoker? Smoker, yeah. He's, yeah, he's the coming. next Marine antagonist who is um, a man who ate the smoke fruit so he could turn his body <laughs> into smoke. And his, uh, that, and his, there's so many fruits. And his defining characteristic is that he's always smoking a cigar. Two cigars, if I remember correctly. He's oh. always smoking two cigars at the same time. You got to be extra in this world. Three, three yeah. swords, two cigars. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, on that note, that'll do it for our One Piece spoiler zone. Um, thank you so much for sticking with us. And yeah, we'll see you all next time on Good Pop. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.